Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And today we are covering episode eight of season 39 of Survivor, Island of the Idols. We made it to the merge, a weirdly positive title for quite an episode. Yeah, this is an episode of Survivor that I don't think anyone in the Survivor community is going to forget. It's definitely very unique, unlike most episodes that we see, and very heavy. I feel like, to me, this whole episode kind of felt like kind of a gut punch, basically the whole way. Uh, kind of like nothing I've really felt before when watching Survivor in a very long time. Right. There was a lot of moments of where I was just sitting there in awe, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And a lot of those times, it was from not the people I was expecting. And that just made it all the more worse, was just how things went down. So Absolutely. Obviously, lots of ugly behavior from all kinds of different sides. But as an episode of Survivor, I guess my take is that I think this was actually, for two episodes, but a very well-made episode of Survivor. And the kind of like, all this whole podcast, we've always been talking about how we want more mature storytelling, more complex storytelling, and that the audience is prepared for it. And I feel like this is really one of those um, trigger points in the series and the longevity of the series where we kind of have to reflect and be like, oh, this is a social experiment. This is a social game. And sometimes really bad things happen in the real world and that will reflect on our televisions. And they do have a duty to show that earnestly. And I think they did that to the best of their ability last night. Yeah, I guess I've been reading a lot of stuff since it aired, and you see a lot of people saying this is a bad episode. And I think that for each specific person is going to mean a different thing. Some people just didn't like what they were seeing, and then it's a bad episode to them, or all sorts of things. For me, I think bad things definitely went down and I was not happy to see them, but they did happen on Survivor. And Survivor, as we know, is not scripted. It's not, you can't make up fun new things to replace any bad things that may have happened. So I think even though this this series of days in the game progressed how it did, the editing team did a really good job of showing what happened, what was wrong about it, also what was going on that was really good in some ways and yeah i just feel like the editing team really nailed it you might have some qualms with production how they're handling things but they did their job however good they did it several months ago the editing team had a chance to look at all that footage look at what actually happened and process it and i think a really elegant way if a really sad way absolutely agree and honestly i think the first hour of this show was some of the most captivating survivor i've ever seen i really think Mm -hmm. that the challenge was amazing i think we'll talk about that a little bit later i think you disagree but the challenge was amazing we had kelly finding another idol we had a merge that was really fun and dynamic and new relationships were formed that we didn't expect we Mm -hmm. had people cross tribal aligning and i feel like they even did a good job explaining where everyone was strategically in the game They also did a fantastic job explaining how each person responds to a horrible incident. Um, And I really do think that um, 
we basically got like a really good if this is just characters we got a throw examination and study of like eight different characters and how they respond to an a really horrible incident and for that reason the editors did a fantastic job in the previous episodes in this episode all together fleshing out these characters to be real people with genuine motivations and interests and that's something that i can't knock them for at all we genuinely got to think see how these people think and i think it's a beautiful package that they were managed to put together about a, a horrible incident mm-hmm. yeah i 100 agree uh if you know this is on the horizon like looking at that pre-merge and sort of not even the little scenes they put here and there to lead to it and almost forewarn us of it, but the, I guess, little moments of joy they were able to put in there definitely helps because I think I definitely feel like the season took such a turn, not only, I guess, mood wise or how it feels like tone wise, but I think it's obviously turning away sort of, from some of the directions we were thinking, it feels it feels hard to root for the underdogs. Well, like not hard. Like I'm rooting for the underdogs, but they feel very hopeless, I guess. And it's part I wasn't expecting those people to be underdogs, and I wasn't expecting them to be in such a dire situation at this point. So it's just such a sudden turn that it, it's no good. Yeah, this season is a reminder that sometimes the villains do very well um in real life in the game of survivor and vil- villain might even be the wrong word but just people who do bad things sometimes do well in things and i think that's something to remember and yeah and in a little bit i think we'll talk about something that i think was really kind of paradigm shifting in this uh game but yeah like i guess i'll just do that now so i think what we saw tonight was the next step of for example, in Survivor Samoa, Russell Hance in Confessional is like, hey, I'm not actually a Hurricane Katrina victim. But on the beach, you were seeing him talk about that and got garner sympathy for that. Um, Johnny Fair plays lie about his grandma. This is kind of, I think we saw the next, ev- not even evolution, but the next, um, like over the years of Survivor covering fandom, everything people kind of determined where the line of acceptable behavior is in regards to the game part. Um, What it means, like how far is too far. I think tonight in that episode, we saw a new line be drawn effectively where Elizabeth and Missy specifically, I honestly think played at a level of cutthroat that we've, and even Kelly at one moment, right? That we've never seen before. I don't think we've ever seen, honestly, especially, from Elizabeth and Missy, mm-hmm. where they use a really charged and powerful social political mo- moment for strategic gain. And I don't know if I can really criticize them for it because you, me, every Survivor podcast always say that you want people on the beach that want to win so bad that they're willing to do anything. And we saw that in this episode. Missy and Elizabeth entered the merge in a terrible spot. Mm-hmm. Missy was getting voted out at the start of this episode. And by the end of the episode, she didn't get a vote. She wasn't in danger. She was controlling the majority because yeah. of potentially despicable actions that she had to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely like 
a hmm, I don't know if I want to put it like a meta shift, but it's it's saying, and I guess the rest of the season will present. Was it worth it? What are the ramifications from it? Like all sorts of things. But it was definitely another point where a line was crossed, and then everyone, the fans, future castaways, have to then contend themselves with: Is this okay? Like, yeah, am I happy with it? Is it okay for future players to act in this way? All sorts of things. And survivors always ask that question, right? Like one of the theses of Survivor, shirts you're living on an island, it's starving, whatever. But one of the dominant narratives of the game of Survivor, of the premise of the show, is what are you willing to do for a million dollars? And we saw people basically say anything. Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that's hard to contend with. It's hard to completely grapple with. Um, but part of me does think that in a social game, you can't completely fault somebody for going all the way for completely committing. But at the same time, I don't think like, honestly, the scene where we're seeing Missy and Elizabeth talk about how like, there's a lot of things that were very hard to watch in the episode, but rewatching the scene oh, yeah. between them when Missy's like, you need to talk to Janet like she's your mom and really just get the emotion, pull the emotion out of her because uh, then we'll be able to get our way. Um, and then Elizabeth says, merge is about the numbers right. My right now, my job is to do whatever it takes to get the numbers. No matter what it means, I will do it. It took a completely new identity on the second watch because I realized what she was actually talking about. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely like a, like an event horizon for Survivor. Like the examples you mentioned before, like what is okay. And then yeah. I feel, I mean, this one is in the present. So it's easy to look at it and be like, I feel like this is the like stopping point. Like it's hard to imagine it going past this, but you think back to those examples you provided and how appalled people were about Russell lying about his stuff. And then like all the stuff before that. And it's just like, that seems silly to us now and i can't imagine this ever seeming silly like that's a bad way to put it but yeah just really thinking how this will reflect on survivor seasons to come where they have seen this and they play around it i guess whether they are saying yes i'm okay with doing this too for the win or i don't know just stuff like that yeah and like i don't know like we kind of expected this last week really banging the drum of dan's gonna do something truly despicable on this up like in the upcoming future i've never Mm -hmm. felt so bad to be right because this was nauseating to watch this was truly painful to watch um from all sides and i feel like this season a testament to it is that this didn't feel out of the blue A, a tonal shift of this level felt supported by the foundation that the rest of the story was telling when it started i i and i think the entire viewing audience knew it was coming because it did do such a good job beforehand of setting it up in a mature and complex way so that you could see the writing on the wall. You could see what was going down, and that made it almost like a horror movie. It was really, really, really well done. Um, and I never want to criticize something for making me feel uncomfortable. Um, right. I think good art can do that. The obviously complicated factor in this is that it is art, and that's what we see on the TV show, the edited product, and it's also people's real life and experience which is really unlike almost anything else out there so Mm -hmm. on two fronts it's uncomfortable 
the art product that they provided, I think, was amazing. And I also have tremendous remorse for people like Kelly who had to deal with situations like this. Yeah, for sure. Just all the way around agree. Mm-hmm. And I guess through that, um, I think I'm going to anyway try to stick to the edited product for this one, for this podcast, as much as I can, because I do think that, I mean, I think there's all kinds of stuff out there about the actual actions taken. Um, right. And we're and not it, experts on this. We're not going to, we know a lot about the edit. We know a lot about editing, but we're not the mo- the top experts on how production actually should have dealt with this situation on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, our focus is to deal with the edit. And there's a lot of things here that make that very hard. I think a big question I'm having, and we'll get to this later in the stories, is is this what a lot of the stories we're building up to is this moment? And is there going to be a full shift going on from here? Or is it just a peak in a series of things to come? Or... Yeah, is this the climax in Act 2 starts after? Or mm-hmm. is this the beginning of Act 2 and this is what Act 2 is about? Yeah. I don't know. And I think it's a really fascinating question, particularly because when we look at the results, the people whose stories were built around the complicated nature of social relations, of social factors are no longer on the island. Mm-hmm. The boot order basically eliminated the people who that was the defining story. And I think that's going to be a really fascinating discussion that we have throughout is, well, what does that mean for the rest of it? No one's there to corroborate Kelly's story anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We left this episode because I guess CBS is defining it as one episode, even though it's two hours and two separate episodes, but you do you CBS. Um, But yeah, we leave this with just sort of Janet as the standard bearer. Like I think you can say some people, some of the people there's a weird like shielding nature to this episode that we'll get into and it affects different people differently but really i think what you get is janet as this like standard bearer of the good and a variety of people who are i guess bad or problematic in different ways and yeah so apart from that big question i think there's also the idea of we look at this in terms of the edit but we also are fans of the show who are rooting for people and rooting against people maybe more than ever now and so i think there are points where i'll be like in this episode i might be like i'm seeing it but i don't know how that's just maybe a very emotional push for me to be like I want this to be the case. It is one of the best case scenarios left. So here's me pushing that forward. And of course that happens elsewise. We've seen it happen throughout episodes, but here more than ever, it's like, hopefully this is it because this is what will make me feel best about having seen this episode and having watched the rest of the season. I agree. And I think that's going to be a real struggle here is because, okay, I've been biased before. I've really liked people before. I've really disliked people before. But I don't think I've ever, like, in the time covering anything, there hasn't been a group of people that I didn't want to get retro, like, get their way as much as this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. in the difference between what I expect and what I want to happen are so in um, polar opposites at this point that uh, it's going to be a little chaotic. But I think 
to move on a little bit, I think because of the chaos, because of the unheard of situation kind of happening here on the beach, we got to see in the edited product some really un like never before seen things that I think really kind of opened up the world of Survivor a little bit. Right. We got to hear a producer talking in a confessional. I think that was we got to see boom mics and producers and flashbacks just running around behind. Yeah, more flashbacks than we've ever seen. Like, they've popped up in recent seasons, but yeah, they were all over. And it was very, like, it made it even more clear what the episode wanted you to take away because they had already supplanted almost every episode with a scene of Dan, like, touching someone. So, like, all that evidence, plus, if you forgot that, here are here is literal video footage of the events people are talking about in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, I think that's... A really good point and i think it to me it really like was riveting to watch we really haven't seen anything like that and yeah you're right like i think we got to see them in their own way completely corroborate kelly's story completely validate and make sure that the audience knew that dan was the wrong party and i think that's something that i'm very glad that they did the the opposite would have been i think very bad like i think five years ago survivor probably doesn't think to do these flashbacks constantly to verify what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And I think then we just, it's a whole other can of worms where the audience can't actually make um, a clear decision on what's right and what's wrong because we don't have the info. And this one, we have the info like completely credited. It makes sense. We see the footage. And I think that's why this was so impactful is there was no doubt in my mind that Dan was completely guilty of the things that they were saying. Whereas if Kelly just had a confessional saying he makes her uncomfortable it doesn't work the same way. Um, yeah. So I'm very, very glad that they did that. And it just made the story better. It made everything so much better. And obviously what a travesty. I think by the end of this episode, Kelly's might be my favorite survivor contestant of all time. Beautifully told story, fantastic character. Um, what a dang tragedy that she ties James Clement for both for getting <laughs> voted out with two idols. Truly tragic. Um, I don't think you could write a, like, I don't know anyone who thinks survivor scripted, you want proof it's not that Kelly Kim in this episode leaves with two idols. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, do you want to touch back on the challenges? Yeah. So on a bit of a lighter note, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, obviously, we'll continue doing our regular show from here on. Um, yeah. But I did want to touch because I think um, genuinely, I think we saw two of the better new Survivor challenges of that I can remember tonight. I think they were both fascinating to watch really interesting twists on regular challenges that to me were really, really riveting. And I liked that they were using like machines, like both of them had a machine element that completely (laughs) altered the challenge in a really interesting way that I'm, I was so I really, really, really loved the challenges in this episode. I guess my issue with it is the like sort of machine. Cause I saw that table the first watch and I was like, I don't get how this works. Like, I don't understand, like, what's happening. Like, what makes it really hard? Like, what's making it harder? So I was like, okay, next on the rewatch, I'm going to pay attention to this amidst all the other things I have to pay attention to. And I still don't really, like, get, like, how the ratchet is working on that table. Like, I don't know. It just felt, like, too weird and complex for me. That's probably fair. That's probably a reasonable criticism. I guess to me, the fact that it is you don't really see machines on survivor. You know what I mean? Like, sure. 
Yeah. I guess that was like the freshness was really interesting, but you're right. It didn't read like a survivor challenge. Yeah. They were interesting enough. I guess I wish, (laughs) and maybe it's just not easy to do it with how physically the survivors are presenting in their times of like when they're about to drop. But I feel like the camera people just really like when someone's about to drop, they put them right in the center of the frame. And it's like, okay, this person's going to drop. Like, Take me out once, like put them like on the left side or like something. So I'm mm-hmm. like not like because I'm just expecting like these things to happen. And yeah, there's just- almost never any doubt. Like that is absolutely a problem with the modern uh, challenge <laughs> editing. We've talked about that before. But like honestly, I thought it was pretty interesting. I like that it was because I do think that a big criticism of modern survivor challenges have been it's all yoga stuff, whereas this was like raw strength and that's something we haven't seen Mm -hmm. as a that's true challenge aspect in a long time um which i think was very fascinating because so often the game of survivors built around the idea that these big strong guys are useful early on and then a threat at the merge that isn't because uh, on just a challenge basis that isn't true when all the challenges are like body weight balance yeah i think it kind of complicates the uh, sort of survivor calculus people are doing of on the challenge front where well why would you be scared of the big athletic guy when all the challenges are going to be balanced on a thing and then do a puzzle mm-hmm. ozzy's no longer much of a threat yeah i did like that first challenge for sort of making an endurance but about actual strength as opposed to just sort of balance here and mm-hmm. do that so no i 100 percent agree with that um and yeah the only other thing i wanted to say is just how sad it is that, like, obviously horrible things happen in this episode, but the fact that the result ended up being Kelly and Jamal leaving, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a travesty that not enough people are talking about. Like, I don't think you could actually write a worse ending where it's Kelly leaves in that situation and then Jamal leaves right after, who had one of the most powerful speeches I think I've ever seen uh, at that tribal where he left. I could not imagine the... I could not imagine sitting there as a person and casting a vote against Jamal after that, it would be physically difficult. I feel like to vote Jamal out after that tribal council performance is just something Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up. Or even like, like one thing that is just bizarre to me is the way everyone was like, Oh no, Janet don't quit. And then have like two people go into it voting or like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like I think first, like I get it's, and maybe in the spur of the moment thing to be like, no, don't quit. Like you're in with this with us, but obviously she's not like, so like, why not just let her quit and make it easier for you? It's weird to do one thing that is so ruthless and then like try to combat it on the next. And, but yeah, to get votes on that too, just, yeah. In addition to all the bad things that happened, the boot order was made even worse. Like yeah. two very captivating characters left this episode so yeah and we'll talk a lot about them through the rest of the podcast i'm sure but i think they both had tremendous character arcs oh for sure i'm so glad that they played Mm -hmm. any other general thoughts on the episode before we move into the stories i guess i should mention here i didn't know if it was it's weird to mention it in light of all the serious that is going on but and lauren at the first tribal council mentions her 30th birthday party and the Barbie carnival she's having. She was 28 at the time of filming, so it's some weird strategy on her part, but a very strange little bit of, I guess, trivia in that. 
Yeah, was she lying about being 29? Like, the most innocent lie of all time? I think she was planning for her, like, she was talking to Dean and being like, okay, Dean, on my birthday, I'm going to, on my 30th birthday, I'm going to have a Barbie carnival, and of course, you'll be invited. And just, just bizarre. But, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, I guess she's just a a planner beyond reasonable limits like <laughs> planning a year over a year in advance is a little strange well that's a, a milestone 30 years yeah. old i guess so i guess i'm far enough away from 30 still that <laughs> i i haven't put any plans onto my 30th birthday <laughs> so yeah i guess uh that brings us here to the story section where uh basically i think the the question that we're gonna have is are these stories the over was this the climax or is it the start of act two and we're gonna start with the one that quite obviously i don't think anyone would deny this was the story of this episode which is how social factors limit your upward trajectory and complicate a social game um how hard it is to put up with people that interfere with factors that mean a lot to you We've pegged this all season as the story of the season and sitting there for two hours where this is just in our face was like very tough to watch, but it's been there the whole season. Mm-hmm. And to me, I guess my gut instinct in, is that this will probably not come back again until the final tribal. Yeah, I guess this is the one I have the main question about is like, is this did the editors do an excellent job of building us in the pre-merge so that they can make a really good stand here and present how this affects the game? So yeah, I do think it will definitely be lighter after this. I think we're going to go back to what you could almost say is like, I don't want to call it normal survivor, but like more like, oh, this is our voting group and this is what we're doing, but oh, this is the complication and all that. And I think this will unfortunately given who's still in the game take a backseat to other stories absolutely um obviously because of how dominant it's been throughout the story and the fact that the perpetrators are still there i it's not impossible that it won't it, it will go away like it's very realistic that we want to tune in next week and it's another episode where dan has done something else again or somebody else has interfered in somebody's personal space right but really, we're left now with just Janet, who was really upset by the situation. I guess you could argue Karishma showed mm-hmm. some siding with Kelly in this episode. So there's two kind of. Well, there's Nora as well. Yeah, Nora. And but- these are the people who are somewhat affected by the story in different ways before this. But, but yeah, I would say it just doesn't feel like they have the same behind their own stories to keep this going and they are down in the numbers so yes yeah uh, the, exactly the three people we just listed off who could potentially go on to have their sort of warrior moment sort of thing like kind of carry on this theme don't look like they're in the greatest of affairs right now mm-hmm. like janet and karishma especially appear to just be in real dire straits and i'm not sure exactly how they'll get out of that mess Obviously, they like we've been saying like it seems like they have some longevity, but I feel like Janet's gotten away. Yeah, like for people who are still in the game, Janet really feels like it was leading up to this, and then maybe mm-hmm. 
there's not too much after that. Which, yeah, like this, this feels like her climax to me, her big powerful moment. So that's not fantastic. I guess the one thing where this theme could continue on would be on the reverse. Basically, we saw how Kelly, basically the story is that Kelly, Kelly and Jamal failed to make it to the end of the game because the social factors, uh, the kind of obscene factors, people infringing on personal space and racial issues were too big of a burden for them to reach the top, to reach their uh, potential. That's basically the story. The second half of that story could be, what does that mean for the people that enabled that behavior? That could be what we see. This could be um, the teardown of Missy and Elizabeth kind of, and Dan kind of story afterwards of, well, what does it, how, how can you live with this afterwards? Could be the story that they tell, but I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like that's going to be at least a primary story. It might be in the background a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I I do think that this is more likely to pop up at file tribal and take a backseat till then. Yeah. Cause I think if you think about it from a jury perspective, like even if you vote them all out, they then make up a majority of the jury. So I think there is a case that they need to like live with whatever choices they've made and whether that is more of a thing that will be considered, I think, at the final tribal council, as opposed to how do you consider it like in the day-to-day episodes, I guess. Is it like, oh, I don't want to vote out this person because they did this really ruthless thing. And I think at that point, you have so many contenders for that spot. It's just not something that's valid to mm-hmm. for people to consider as they're playing the game. No, I, I think that's a good point. Like, I think the lingering uh heat to put it in that term of the animosity we have towards elizabeth missy dan etc will remain Mm -hmm. and they might use that as sort of ammo to make us root for their downfall but i don't think that it's going to be continuously brought up Mm -hmm. for sure cool so separate to that i think a similar but distinct theme that i basically officially locked in this week and this is many ways thanks to Emily Pandemonium, a uh, friend of the podcast, the idea of compromise. So all season, pe- some people on the internet, we were hesitant to talk about the female empowerment theme. And I think we were right on that because I think the actual <clears throat> story that they were telling was the strength of compromise. In the episode last week, we saw Janet basically say, well, Female alliances are bad because behind every strong woman is a guy supporting her behind every, you know what I mean? Like behind, like the way right. like racial dynamics involve both, like all, all races kind of working together. It isn't just one group banding together. It's the idea that a strong alliance is built on distinct groups working together in harmony. And I think this took on a definition of its own with Tommy's confessional where he talks about how he would never work with just Vokai. He will work with Vokai, men, women, Lyro. It doesn't matter. He's going to he's going to build the best coalition mixed of people. I feel like we saw that basically be the second part of this sort of theme here. Yeah, and I think you that is building on parts of this theme and other scenes we've seen where if you want to go back as far as Krishna being like, "Oh, this alliance is brought together, but I don't fit into it. It doesn't really make sense for me to be in this women's alliance, despite me being a woman. Like, I don't fit in. Or you can even say that the point of this weird attention towards female empowerment is that 
in its like truest moment of testing, like all the women didn't come together. Some of them <laughs> worked against, I guess, like feminist interests, basically. And yeah, it was like almost a downfall. So I think the idea of compromise within alliances, because I think I don't want to apply compromise generally to what was discussed this episode. I don't think either of us are doing that. That's a very, yeah, we want to stay away from that. But compromise in terms of alliances and playing the game and who you're working with, I think is extremely important. And that does extend into real life in that you want to treat everyone equally as long as they do you no wrong. Like Mm -hmm. everyone deserves, not deserves your respect, because that's another important touchstone of this, but everyone deserves your attention in terms of who they are as a person and like everyone working together it's hard to put into words but i don't know do you like do you get what i'm trying to say there no i absolutely get what you're saying i thanks for correcting me there just a little bit because i think that's actually a good point is i think the the idea is that it's just i think really the idea is it's distinct groups working together yeah whether that's on social political uh racial whatever dynamic that's what the season's saying is going to be the most powerful Mm mm-hmm and I do think that, unfortunately, I do believe that this is the, what, third time in a row that the female empowerment theme has had irony behind it in a way that uh, is getting kind of tiring at this point. David vs. Goliath, the whole female empowerment theme was laughing at Angelina. This one is, oh, and look how they fail to actually work together when uh, when push comes to shove. I think at this point, it's clear that Survivor wants to hype up uh they're women characters, but at the same time, like struggle to actually develop them completely. Um, I think at this point it's kind of a, a sad trend. Yeah, I think it's, and we don't know how this season is going to end. I have a big thought, so I can say this is working into it, but like, I think they're really in need of a female winner. And the more they don't get that, they want to push that like this female empowerment story because it is truly important, but they are doing it in ways that aren't like they're, they are getting tiring almost where it's like, just show me good examples. Like, like they did it in this season, like Janet and Kelly and Karishma are all excellent examples of women, like doing well for themselves and who they are as people, but they tie it to dangerous things almost like this or almost making like making Angelina somewhat laughable and not to be taken seriously at points. I mm-hmm. think that's where they are running into problems. So And that's the thing like I, I like that they are um promoting the idea that like females can also be very good at the game of Survivor. As we saw in this episode, Missy made everybody else look like jokers at the game of Survivor. Like on just a strategic basis, Missy outplayed the entire cast in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely something that she could deserve commends for. I just don't like that the editors are clearly tying it together with a negative theme here. Again, it's, if it was just this one, I'd be like, okay, I get what they're doing. Good job. But it's the fact that this is clearly a, a repeating pattern at this point of tying it with a negative theme that getting a little exhausting. Um, yeah especially when I feel like all season we've been talking about how the idea that this theme could be an apology. And I think it is. Mm -hmm. There's aspects of this that say, Oh, why did you think Kelly was going to win after last episode? It's because we really wanted to say this is excellent. And yeah, it didn't pan out, but 
this is the best way we could present her. Or, yeah, just giving this a really good show and saying, look, this is super important. It is maybe not the way the season is going to go. And that's unfortunate, but this is the best we can do. And I think that's ultimately as a fan, that's very sad because it means we have some sort of bad outcome in our sites. Mm-hmm. But I am so glad they took this pre-merge and this merge episode as uncomfortable as it was to develop that to at least get some excellent characters and excellent points made out of it. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. That's the thing. If if I'm going to pick two universes, one where they don't show how great Kelly is and instead kind of um, do what they would normally do with somebody who leaves with two idols. I'm so glad that they took this approach. So I don't want that to get the wrong way. Because this season's better for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, I do think that this theme, unfortunately, I believe is warming us up to an unlikable winner. I really do hard of hearts to think that we are going to see a winner that we're, the audience is not happy with. Mm-hmm. I think if you almost want to link into this, a theme we dropped several episodes ago because it only came up in episode two, we thought was the Cool Kids Club of molly jack and jamal who are now all out i tweeted this on my rewatch but i was like it's very interesting that that was pointed out as a cool kids club when the majority that ends up occurring in this episode looks like like the quintessential cool kids club they're all like fit like good looking people and you have people like the older lady janet and like nora and like karishma on the bottom and it's like why aren't they pushing the cool kids club now and it almost feels like that winner is inside the cool kids club so you don't want to focus on that being such a deal anymore yeah you're not wrong about that like the fact that it's karishma janet and nora on the outside is telling Mm -hmm. um i don't really know what else to say there um do you have any other thoughts on this theme before we move on i do not same um Obviously, it's the theme of the season. I think in some permutations, it will continue. It just might not look exactly like it has before. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's going to come up when we talk about individual people. Because that Absolutely. Is extremely important to some of them. Absolutely. So. <laughs> so that brings us to the next one that I think, again, was all over this episode, is the idea of likability being a liability for your chances in the game of Survivor. Last week, I kind of came to the epiphany of why am I considering people like Kelly and Tommy if that we're told they're so likable and so great when this season's been about the opposite season's been about how the more likable you are, that's more reason for people to vote you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that in this episode, I think by the end of the episode, the general audience's favorite two characters are Kelly and Jamal. That's our boots. Um, mm-hmm. I saw so many tweets, so many things talking about how great Kelly was, how great Jamal was. They are the two people who leave. They leave because they're so likable. This is another theme that's kind of, I think, readying us for an unlikable winner. But in addition, kind of explains the boot order. It really has been that way. Yeah, for sure. It's really been those people like that have are either very popular amongst their tribe or just present as very likable. And yeah, we sort of took it as, oh, this is why goats like Dan or Karishma or Nora are going to be drug far in the game. I don't think it's so much about that anymore as like, oh, well, you're not going to get a likable winner per se because likability gets you voted out. So like we couldn't help it. Like mm-hmm. it had to be someone who's unlikable. And I do think 
my at least my top contenders for this are I'm sort of looking at this core of the unlikable characters now, the majority alliance, and saying, well, who still is like the least unlikable? Yep. Like it's people who are being presented as either not really likable or not really likable or unlikable. They're sort of floating in the middle and or they are in this very clearly, but likable. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's the thing. Like this theme to me at this point reads a lot like something like Death of a Salesman, where it's just like um, life ain't fair. Uh, the good people do bad. The bad people do well. Get over it. That showbiz baby kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it really does feel like this is a conditioning the audience that your favorites are going to do bad. And to just kind of, as the previous episode told us, suck it up, Buttercup, um, I think is unfortunately what this <laughs> uh, narrative thread is telling us right now, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. I really do think that we are going to see, I mean, especially with the fact that uh, we got a double boot one hour episode next week. I feel like we might be yada yadaing and kind of through the your favorites still being in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a like, or at least what I've intuited from the way it's set up is a like in Ghost Island, where they split oh, into, true. but I still think it's not going to end well for our favorites, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, <not> looking, <laughs> skies aren't looking too great. Yeah. Uh, too great. Um, but yeah, no, I think that we, I, I mean, I'm still of the opinion that we could end up with a GOAT Final 3. Like, I think that's very possible. But at the end of the day, I do think that this season, it basically saying don't get too attached. A, you're right. What, what you said was pretty poignant, where it's, okay, I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst either. <laughs> it's, yep. I think, kind of what we're going to end up with. Yep. So, and, weird, and weirdly, like, that GOAT Final 3, just, I mean, except for one key uh, third of it, it sounds kind of tantalizing otherwise. So, mm-hmm. they've at least done that, I guess, if that's their goal. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep tracking, because it's not like people are going to become, not be any sort of likable throughout the rest of this, so. <laughs> yeah, no, like, this... <laughs> Like, the season really took a world apart, um, like, twist of fate, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. the way they've told it, like, they've been setting this up for the literally the entire season. Yeah. So, honestly, like, kind of kudos to the editors for preparing us for this. And, we, you know, it's just like a endless dream where you keep wanting your favorites to win and they keep telling No, likable people get voted out in the game of Survivor. And you're just like, but I really like them. But not... But not this one. This one will. Yeah, except one guy. Except one guy. <laughs> um, who, I guess that I'm going to bring this up now. because So the one person that I think uh, you listeners, us, I think are probably thinking of when we talk about that is Tommy, who is separated completely away from the whole Dan of it all. Basically, if you watch the episode, just the Tommy content, you wouldn't know that Dan's a creep at all. He really wasn't tied to it at all. And we got to see... I guess to me, one scene a couple weeks ago kind of made me get even higher, I guess, on Tommy is Dean's confessional where he makes fun of Tommy as being like a tall ginger goof or whatever, mm-hmm. where they're, I think, trying to say, hey, Tommy's unlikable, too. Kind of. It or really I, feels feels like a throwaway. Yeah. I mean, once we get to individual people, we'll talk about because I feel like there's this dichotomy between people who had content very attached to the goings on and then there are people who feel like they're playing in a different game or Mm -hmm. they're just not attached to this dance story at all and i feel like tommy is one of those people but he 
does get a he is with that group. Like he's firmly said, I'm the swing vote and I'm going to stick myself with the people who did these awful things. Mm-hmm. So that's bad, but it's or not it? as bad as the people doing the bad thing. Yeah. Theme wise, yeah. I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. Pretty, that's like Tommy's point there. I mean, there's other people I want to touch on who I think also aren't attached to the story in interesting ways, but we'll get to them later. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the other one that I mean is just kind of obvious at this point is the idea of inaction. I believe it's episode two where Karishma cuts her hand and the entire Lyra tribe has no attention. I think this was the second moment where this kind of comes back, where a harm has been done to Kelly. And by and large, the question is, who cares and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Is basically the story that we get, right? Yeah. So the idea of inaction is absolutely a, a theme. I just, I feel like it reflects obviously badly on the people that ignored it and not on the ones who didn't. It almost, I mean, kudos on the editors that this is intentional, and they have been dropping some real Nora quotes in there, but there's that tribal council where Nora says the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Mm-hmm. So that could be a weird cross-section of this. So Yeah, and I mean, if, like, okay, so I love Nora, and I think one episode, and we'll t- I'm, I'm absolutely going to talk about this a lot more, pay attention to the fact that Nora in this episode just a random weird almost like ethereal scene about Mm -hmm. how she's 100% against Dan and his actions. Yeah. Reading the traditional edit, I mean, that should be pretty dang good for her winter chances. It would be excellent for Nora if we had not seen seven episodes of the Nora show. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, So that's the thing is if the editors are as brilliant as I want them to be, like, dang, what a good winter story. Like, really hiding there in the background of the opposite of love is indifference. So all these people that were indifferent to uh, the harm should not be considered, which leaves you with Karishma and Nora as contenders, which makes me kind of rethink that idea and that we this is probably still an apology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So we'll move here to the idea of seeking a mentor, teaching, and what that means in the game of Survivor. Um, I guess at this point, I just the only one that I had, I don't know if you have anything is I think it's clear that Elizabeth's narrative has been expertly told. I believe that we basically see Elizabeth's arc as someone who enters in as a nice person. Boston Rob teaches her to be more cruel. And what we saw in this episode was a manifestation of that, a uh, coming away from her learning to be a villain. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely sold on this. I I don't see this really felt abrupt for Elizabeth for me. Like, I know she was taught to be more considerate of her moves, not considerate just in general, but like considerate of what she's doing in the game. And still this felt like, it felt like Elizabeth like got pushed too far and made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that doesn't translate to villain to me yet, but she certainly is one. She's not a good character anymore. Definitely not. Definitely not. Spoilers. I think we've hard reversed on the Elizabeth is a UTR fun character. Yeah. (laughs) Rip our quirky queen. (laughs) Like, now she's the evil queen. Um, Um, Otherwise, I've seen some things, um, people talking about how uh, Lauren keeps mentoring Missy from time to time. Like, Lauren is really guiding her on our path. Lauren also, like, has guided Tommy. Um, I guess there's the whole idea of Rob and Sandra teaching Jamal, but, like, that's not... I mean, Jamal's gone, so... Can't be him as the winner, and this is his story, but... Well, yeah. I think one that you didn't touch on here is 
Janet's role in this episode, this series of episodes, was one of a mentor. Right, oh, she course. was the veteran uh, backing down for her her people. Right, like she was the person teaching kind of kindness. And mm. that's unfortunately in this season, very bad for her chances, but good for her alignment to this theme. But I also think there's something that you could say, maybe like, who are the people not learning Janet's lesson? And it's mm-hmm. also really bad for them. I hope you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to live in the world where Janet's are winning. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when we talk about bias, like, if you go on the internet now, it's like, I want Janet to win this season. If Janet doesn't win, I'll be so disappointed. And it makes so much sense. But I, I'm hesitant on if that's the world we're living in. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like in the past, survivors got bailed out of these massive moments by kind of flukes. In Survivor Game Changers, Sarah Lucina, who defends Zeke, wins the game. And Survivor Worlds Apart, Will Sims makes it to the end after bullying Shireen. But we see Mike Holloway win effectively every immunity challenge on the way. Like, he denounces his uh, Will's activity, flips, and... Mm-hmm. proceeds to win every challenge that result is absurd and they really got bailed out from a will sims dan foley rodney final three yeah <laughs> like um we really haven't had this like what happens on the what happens when the bad guys win is something we haven't had in a really long time mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's i have I, I really do think that we might not get bailed out this time or i think we might see through the bailout more then because i think the bad guys are still probably going to win it's just that we can pick out which bad guy quote unquote is being presented as a good guy yes yes i agree i agree with that yeah so we're still seeing them as a bad guy but they have the material there to be i guess a shining light amidst all the darkness which is yeah not great but yeah that's the case yep yep so the next one we kind of put it on the back burner last week and i think that was a mistake because Oh my goodness. The idea of proving who you are beyond uh, how you appear and speaking your mind, being a virtuous but uh, silly or misguided thing in Survivor, Mm -hmm. I feel like was one of the defining things of this episode. Basically, there's two ways to view this episode from two different perspectives. One is Missy and Elizabeth effectively deciding that they're willing to do anything to get ahead. On the flip side, we have Janet basically doing the opposite and deciding that being true to who she is, being true to the people around her, is more important than good game standing. And in this episode, we see Elizabeth and Missy win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, amidst all the examples of people speaking their mind and when, yeah, it's almost, it can be dangerous because sometimes when you're connecting to people, you're not actually connecting to people. And sometimes when you're connecting to people, it's presented as it makes you a bigger threat. Like when mm-hmm. Kelly and Missy are connecting on the beach and Lauren sees that as, oh, she has no reason to be doing that. Yep. And all seasons had a kind of genuineness anti-bias where, for example, Nora, when she's talking, speaking her mind, it's edited negatively. It's kind of choosing the game and choosing diplo- diplomatic actions, even if it hurts you a lot in effort of doing well in the game. I feel like it's continuously shown as the better move and almost that considering your morals, considering who you are, mm-hmm. out- looking outside to be naive. 
Yeah, I think it's it's attached to like considering social issues while playing the social game and that, yeah, like obviously this can be the really good thing to do. It can be so valuable to a societal standpoint. But in the game of Survivor, sometimes that's not what's going to get you the win. Mm -hmm. So you have people speaking their mind, but it puts them in a really bad spot, aka Nora, or you're connecting to people genuinely over something that really has affected you, but the people you're connecting to are using it for gameplay. And yeah, it's just seeing that as, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... No, I think you're, I think you're yeah, 100% yeah. on something because... So last season, we basically nailed the theme as being in Edge of Extinction that playing from the bottom can be more beneficial than playing from the top. That was the kind of theme of that season. And speaking your mind, being true to yourself, no matter what the world tells you, is the most important thing in the game of Survivor. Because mm-hmm. Rick Devins, Chris Underwood, basically run the game without having any numbers, without having any control. They just uh, they are loud, they're bold, they make calculated risks they do big brave crazy things Mm -hmm. this season is the opposite this season is an indictment against that behavior and basically saying okay you while you might be a better person for it you're a worse survivor player for it yeah i think that's an interesting nuanced opposition and kind of a key uh example of what what we're kind of talking about here on this podcast where in, in last season Janet would have been edited as the greatest survivor player to ever exist. And in this one, she wasn't right. Like she, she was kind of shown to be a little naive, a little silly and just Mm -hmm. the disconnect between seasons of what's good survivor play is radically different. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Cool. Um, the other theme that I mean, at this point, everybody who's touched an idol is out of the game. Not Dean. Oh, true. 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 Anyone who's found an idol. And I think there's just a difference with how that was handled. Like, like we said, Kelly's idol that she got on uh, Island of the Idols was handled with a lot of grace. And then there was a very, like, last episode was very intentional with it. But then contrast that to the way Kelly found idols here. And it it just had that feeling of, like, she's being set up for downfall. Like, mm-hmm. oh, when am I going to play these idols? And And I guess Janet didn't play her idol correctly. And that's oh yeah, true. I guess Janet played an idol in this episode. So what I said isn't hundred percent true, but everyone except Janet. <laughs> it's that's just not working out right, except for Dean, weirdly. I mean yeah, another Dean. another weirdo in the like shielded stack. Yeah, and I mean in fairness, I mean Dean didn't even mention having it in that episode. Mm-hmm. Right, like obviously he played it, and then obviously yeah. he mentions yes it then. But in before tribal, he doesn't like he doesn't say thanks, Kelly, or anything like that. We don't actually know if he has it or not. Oh, that's not true. No, we do know he has it, but like, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely some massive weirdness here about the idea of idols paranoia and how they're not the not the best uh, tool in the world. I kind of yeah. expect our winner will not find one. Yeah, I think that's valid. Or it'll just have that feeling that like, oh, this might be like. I can't really put it into like a set of criteria on why Kelly's one idol feels different from the rest. But there's a sense that like when they find an idol, they're being set up for to misplay it or use yeah. it wrong or something like that. So it's something to keep an eye on. Just like how we how, what's our gut feel about this idol find as it comes yep. up in future episodes. Yeah, like last season, idols were edited as like a powerful magical tool. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I mean, they kind of were in that season. This one, they're <laughs> edited as more or less mundane things that 
are a little weird and not as useful as you'd think. So it's definitely an interesting uh, parable there. They also um, look very, like, oh, yeah. slapped together. Like, I'm not impressed. Not gonna lie, Jamal's legacy advantage looks better than his <laughs> idol that he had. Like, yeah. I'd buy his Comic Sans writing better than uh, <laughs> in box letters over his idol, you know? Yeah, we didn't talk about that in general thoughts, but I guess to segue from this, it does sort of tie into why I still have Assume Nothing, Think Outside the Box here. Because I think that was the obvious like link to Jamal's trip to the Island of the Idols, is that, yeah. well, on the first hand, not every, like not, nothing is as easy as it seems, which, okay, Survivor. Um, yeah. but grabbing that and having it be a bad thing and then uh just getting a parchment and a pencil and yeah doing what you will with that um, no you're right and kelly even said um idols are really good because having more creative options in your toolbox which right. is another way to say assume nothing think outside the box mm-hmm. um it's absolutely something there uh we had kelly play the idol on dean have it be like a really powerful moment i feel like his edit actually very positive is good for yeah. the idea of creative gameplay mm-hmm. and yeah i mean <laughs> poor jamal like what a garbage uh set of circumstances they gave him i feel like like really got just like <laughs> the raw end of the deal um yeah because the thing is in the game of survivor in the past correct me if i'm wrong but we've seen actual advantages come from dumb notes like that just hanging around well uh, i mean like idols are not hidden by clues anymore yeah this is making me think like this would be okay if it was understood that sometimes you pick up a bundle and it has a bad thing inside like that i think would be a really interesting twist on things and then like have clues that actually lead to like the correct bundle for your purposes Mm -hmm. like i think that would sort of maybe disincentivize idol hunting to some extent yeah like, I in an alternate universe where there had ever been a negative thing hidden out there, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, this is a good lesson. But, like, if I remember correctly, Jeremy Collins' idol in Cambodia was basically a letter like this, where then he walked in the middle of the night it through, like, a torch-lit alley and found an actual idol that he won the game with. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, what a silly thing to do, Jamal. Grab the note that is left there. Mm-hmm. insane <laughs> yeah i think yeah just if there was any like guideline like this could happen literally a single example of a negative advantage ever in the history of survivor i would grant it like uh, i guess the neutral box thing well that... but i guess i mean i guess players going forth from this season can be like oh maybe this is bad but even still it's like i'd rather take this and hedge my bets yeah and then I guess going from that to see what Jamal's advantage became, I think the parchment pencil is in some ways cool, but the ways I can think of using it almost are like harmful to the integrity of the game. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I could write some really like, like stuff like dealing with production or like notes, like penned by someone else. And it's like, well, how did they get a pencil? They shouldn't have a pencil. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I like the idea, but it's almost like, they need like the survivor printing press to like put it together. So it looks really official and like, like, you know, yeah. Like, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about the idea that I, I don't know. Like I've listened to a lot of like the survivor think tank is a Rob has a podcast podcast every year or two years or whatever, where they go through advantages and they like pitch 
advantages. This is one that's popped up all the time is <laughs> give them a pencil. And I'm like, I think this is, we just saw why that's stupid. <laughs> like, um, Because one, you don't have calligraphy to match well-defined text look, right? Like, right. That's something. And then in addition, I feel like at the end of the day, there isn't much utility to this fake stuff. Like uh, there's a reason like we heard, like you hear all the time in exit press and stuff that, Oh, so-and-so played a fake idol at this tribal and it Mm -hmm. wasn't shown on TV because it affects nothing and it's dumb, right? Like it is just dumb. Yeah. Most of the time there's no utility. So, or like, what if I use that parchment as an extra vote? Like, was that, yeah. Was that the real answer all along? Was that, yeah. Can I stuff another, uh, Nora vote in there or whatever. It's mm-hmm. I feel like it just overcomplicates so much for no reason. That would have been actually really cool though if they were like, yeah, we just gave Jamal a parchment and like we said we took away his vote, but what if he just parchment. used it? Yeah, and like I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like, <sighs> might as well. I mean, in, in the Calvin Ball that Survivor has become, why not try, right? Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, that's our story section here, mm-hmm. and now we'll move on to the tribes. The tribe. Tribe, yeah. As far as I know, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about researching that, but I completely forgot to. There's apparently a secret scene, but I didn't watch it. Yeah, I don't watch secret scenes. These are forbidden. They are forbidden. Don't watch secret scenes. It's cheating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish we, I always like when we get to see them named. What a complicated uh, start to the merge. I really think that they did a good job kind of showing what a storm uh, craziness of this was strategically mm-hmm. yep so we get to start here with our boy aaron who i will say had the not a particularly flattering episode yeah uh other than his tribal council thing i think the part where he and missy passed janet on the beach and she's like hi and they're like hi and they're like what are you doing and she's like or they're like just walking it's like, oh, guys, come on. <laughs> like, you know, she's not going to fall for that. It's just so, it's so arrogant to me. Just carrying my shovel around. Ugh. Like... But I, mean, I feel like that is the Aaron story. He's, he's a little arrogant. Aaron-gent. Aaron-gent. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah, no, you're 100% right. That is absolutely the story. And I think, so we saw him win both immunity challenges, right? Yes. So... Earlier in the season, we saw him and Tommy have a moment, and they seem to just be friends again after yeah. everything. But um, basically, where they make a deal that when one of them loses an immunity challenge, the the other's going to protect them. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy says, when you lose, you or me loses the first one, we're not going to just uh, vote each other out. Like what always happens, what we're going to do, we're going to band together. I guess my prediction is that we're seeing Aaron get screwed by that deal. Hmm. Aaron's going to win a ton of challenges, I think. The mm-hmm. guy is clearly a level of physical above these people that isn't even funny. Yeah. Like, that challenge where Jamal faints afterwards, and Aaron looks like he just like, just showed up. He, like, <laughs> runs to Jamal and picks him up. It's like, he wasn't even struggling. Yeah. Is kind of insane. hmm And, I don't know, I feel like we are going to see him win a number of these and I think his story is basically that, that he won a lot of challenges and then got backstabbed by Tommy. Yeah, I think one of the most bizarre things, and it's only the merge episode, but there seems to be no consideration among this group of however many, nine, I guess, that like, 
only three of them can make the final tribal council. Mm-hmm. They're like, all of us young fit types are going to be in an alliance together. I, I'm just hoping and waiting for like the breakup of it all. Because it's that's I think what's draining me a lot is like there's no like they're all just good to go with one another when like they're all each other's biggest threat. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I think Aaron is like the biggest threat of them all. And he had I mean, the tribal council stuff aside, that looked awful and rightfully so. I know he apologized on Twitter. I didn't watch the apologies. Um, but if they're good, then good on him. I, I haven't watched them. But all that aside, winning both immunities and then having pretty light content episodes is not a good look. And I, I mean, agree with that. Didn't go into this episode high on Aaron. Certainly not leaving it any higher. Yeah, basically, I agree with everything you said. I feel like Aaron showed the least uh, self-awareness, at least, at the Tribal Council. It was... I feel like what everyone... Like, all the content in the thing, I feel like he, he's the one who felt the, like he... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, just really uncomfortable to me. Like, Dan, obviously, there's so much wrong with everything he did. Part of you, at least, like you get the complexity of the situation where people are telling him that there's no problem with what he's doing and other people like I get how he's confused and it's a strange situation but Aaron saying that uh Janet's playing the victim was I thought especially off-putting compared to everything yeah like that um, was really icky um is the one of the moments where I was like just in awe mm-hmm. and like this is not a direction someone should go like no good. Yeah, at least other people were trying to have some tact, failing a little bit, I think. But he really just went in on Janet. I think he was surprised at everybody being like, even the people who he's with being like, uh, <laughs> like, and yeah. I mean, Jamal basically dug into him pretty deep. So I'm mm-hmm. really, really glad that we saw that because that completely not okay. Yeah. But separate to that, I mean, Aaron enters and he basically says it's the merge. Now is the time where you just figure out whether the social bonds you made are real or not. And mm-hmm. I mean, kind of what we saw, I guess we saw that, okay, he his, his bonds were real, specifically with Tommy, but they were put at odds with each other in a way that makes me think that it's not going to last for Aaron and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that statement in itself is just forwarding us that, yeah, maybe his bonds won't last. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks good now, but yeah, I think... He is being set up for that. Once he's not in power, this might be our only chance to get yeah. him out. Yeah, we talk about Doomsday a lot. I feel like we saw that here with Aaron. Mm-hmm. I feel like he'll, when he loses the challenge, he's going to give. Yeah. But I think that could be actually a pretty shockingly large amount of time. I think he could go on a run here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sure. let's move here to Dan. Yes. Yeah, because Aaron had a pretty late episode. Dan did not. Dan had a, I feel like Dan didn't go 30 seconds without being mentioned at least. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never felt so bad to be right about uh, a character because this was so uncomfortable. And I, I do think that the editors have done a, a magnificent job setting us up for this by giving us a little hint every episode. We thought it was a little weird. Like, are they trying to show this or is it just unavoidable content? But no, it's it's clear that this was they've been building towards it. I think they've done a good job. Yeah. But dang, I, I don't even know what to say. It really was uncomfortable the fact that people were enabling it really hard, really difficult to watch. Yeah, for sure. Because there's that first episode where, I mean, they showed all of his wrongdoings, but it was much more like the episode before where he wasn't really in it, but he was sure negatively 
brought up in it. And so mm-hmm. there was that. And then there was the episode after that where just not a good response from him. Like, I mean, it's hard to imagine any good response because we've been shown the proof. Janet says there's no 100% proof. I feel like the video footage we saw is most definitely 100%. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if there's a good response to come from it, but I don't think what he presented was in any way the best response he could have came up with. So Absolutely. And I do think that there is an special, uh, I guess, weirdness with um, just kind of how this whole thing went down with the fact that I do believe, um, like, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I do think that I get in some capacity the strangeness where people are telling him different things and how he's basically being used as a strategic tool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's hard when it's like, okay, we see the proof. We see that he has acted in this way. He has been warned. My guess is the warnings could have done a better job. It seems like he was genuinely shocked that the conversation was about him. Mm-hmm. Like that, the text scroll that we saw when Janet confronted him, he's like, wait, it was about me? I was like, are you sure you gave him a warning? Cause it's either some insane lack of um, self-awareness from Dan or they didn't want. Yeah. And obviously we don't, we don't, we don't know. We don't have the footage there to know which one. And I genuinely at tribal when Dan was like, Jeff, are we just going to keep doing this every time was very uncomfortable and also thought he was going to walk. Yeah. Yeah. It did not, did not feel good. No. And walking, honestly, maybe like, just to get him out of there. Like he's running away from the problem, I suppose. But I think to some extent that at least shows he knows he did something wrong and probably yep. shouldn't be there. So yep. I think there's that. Um, I guess uh, to transition a little bit more to uh, the story here, this episode made me unfortunately very confident that Dan's not going anywhere. Yeah. I think building on sort of our, are thinking that it, the story might not carry on with that. I think Dan is firmly not only like in that majority, but with all this controversy it's and the people they're sending to the jury, it feels like he is a prime person to take with you, especially for people who have already proved themselves to be ruthless. Yes. Like they don't, they're not taking this into account in the same way they're, enemies are i guess so yeah why not drag this person along yeah and i mean in this episode we had nora who was talking about taking out dan say let's make it so we don't have to talk the are the end of our game the final tribal doesn't have to be the cell it can be a celebration of our season of the people instead of a discussion of dan's inappropriate behavior mm-hmm. nora says if we don't take him out now that's effectively what we're gonna get and I think that Nora is telling the truth here. I think Dan's in the finals. Probably a losing finalist. You hope, right? Yeah. You absolutely. Um, it's because you said when we talked right after the episode aired, because it was that kind of episode. Usually we don't immediately uh, rendezvous after that. But this one, we're like, uh, did you watch? And what do you think? Um, but you were like, I think Dan might be winning. And I was like, I wish I could say I didn't feel that at all, but it really is a question of you kind of have to present this and you could present it awfully. Mm-hmm. But what do you do if Dan still wins the game despite all of it? Like, yeah, it's that point. It's like survivor's not scripted. You can't 
whatever happens on that beach, you have to portray in some way. And so if he wins, we need to see, like, we're going to see the story of Dan. And I guess if that's the case, thank you for making it very negative and making it very clear that we shouldn't be happy about it. But they're also doing it in a way where there's complexity to it. We see Dan as a game player in Mm -hmm. earlier episodes. And yeah, that's the thing. I do I have him as our my top contender? Not even close. Do I no. think this episode opens up the door for Dan being a possible winner? Yes. And that really the chance isn't high, but it is yeah. there. And to me, I think this is unfortunately I think he could win a jury vote because this season's been about how regardless of your likability, regardless of how good of a person you are, it's the game that matters and not Mm-hmm. who you are and dan exemplifies that theme really freaking well and that terrifies me right it mostly just on the small percentage chances here but he's been presented as a good player i don't i don't think that there's any denial there he has been shown as an idiot he's been shown as a creepy mastermind basically mm-hmm. like they've separate like said as a person he's weird and creepy and uncomfortable as a player we do get Missy saying Dan's irrelevant, which is good. That's good for him not winning, but it's something you can't de- completely deny. I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't I, think. I don't think that's necessarily bad for Dan's chances. I think it's bad for Missy's chances. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, and especially the second episode. So this is Jeff even says at the start, "You're about to see two episodes of Survivor." Mm-hmm. Um, the first episode rips dan to shreds like that's not a like no doubt there the second episode not as anti-dan as you'd think and very anti-elizabeth and missy the edit really turns on missy and elizabeth i mean i think rightfully so and gives dan a little bit of like an exoneration almost where it's like well imagine being dan and having these two people say we have we love when Dan's near us. We 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 choose to sleep by Dan. We have no problem with him. No one's ever had a problem with him. In the mixed signals you're getting, it, it turns to Dan's perspective, and I think a very uncomfortable way. But you do see through his eyes a little bit, and the and it turns on Elizabeth and Missy specifically. When you look at the outrage online, I think it kind of backs that up. Everybody hates Missy Elizabeth and Elaine. Not many people are talking about Dan anymore. Yeah, it seems like it's very easy to be like, yeah, Dan did these bad things. He's terrible for it. But look at what Elizabeth, Missy, and Warren have done. Like, mm-hmm. they have done something less, something that happens less often, but is somehow worse. Like, yeah, I, I I believe that this thing, and even um, Janet gives a confessional where she's basically like, um, I thought what Dan was doing was okay, but it's the girls here who have problem up are the problem kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of what we're getting, and it's uncomfortable, but it's absolutely something you have to pay attention to. I do apologize. I said, I said Elaine and Civil Lauren. I meant Lauren. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like I think he's has like three percent win equity, but that's because of this episode, because the actions he's done. That's horrifying enough that I did want to touch on it. Yeah, I think in that all goat final three that we're thinking of, I think that's like the bad scenario that comes from it, which almost feels as good as the good scenario. I'm dreaming from it, but it Mm -hmm. feels like about as likely is that this jury looks at that and says, well, these two are really bad at the game, but Dan was like 
in the majority and played his way here. So mm-hmm. it's <laughs> icky. It's absolutely icky. It makes my skin crawl, but I can't deny that it is absolutely a possibility, especially with the idea that likability is a threat. And mm-hmm. the person who I think could win other than that, I mean, there's a couple people who could win other than that, but they're all likable people. Yeah. Something to worry about. So mm-hmm. something to watch out for. I don't really want to give it any more lip service. Maybe maybe we, we wished into it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, let's move here to Dean. Which is like such a uh, like change of pace. Yeah. I mean, it's the start of these people who are removed from the conversation for the most part. Yeah. Dean didn't Dean, mention it at all. Yeah. Dean is very like auxiliary to this. He's like, I don't know. He just has weird moments in this where you sort of see the Kelly Dean story actually pay dividends from what Kelly said and Dean flips on her, which I, I've seen some people being like, Dean, how dare you? Like that is so ruthless. And I think a surprising take for me is that, and I think I heard this on the evolution of strategy, but like you don't owe anyone anything in per se. Yeah. Like Kelly saved you last episode, but this episode's a whole new story. So I, I mean, I'm not the happiest with Dean. Wasn't very nice to do, but I totally get it. Oh and yeah, think- I'm very, I'm very personally mad at Dean because Kelly is the queen of this season, the greatest ever. But like, <laughs> I mean, can you really blame Dean? Like, you don't like it's um. Uh, this is a Big Brother quote, but Mike Boogie says in Big Brother too. Um, the game is about uh, cashing checks that are gonna bounce, right? That's what Dean did last episode. Mm-hmm. He gave her a bound like a check that he had no money in his account. Um, yeah, I can't blame Dean at all for what he did. I I absolutely now get why Dean has gotten to such a bozo edit because there's so much ugly in this episode. Kelly Lee, like the victim of a horrible scenario, effectively mm-hmm. gets silenced by the tribe when she has a tool to survive. Dean is the one character in this story. With the power to make it a positive one, I think is what we got, and I think the I think producers really don't like him. I think they blame him for how the season turns out, and why? Because he could have saved Kelly. Show her a little bit of gratitude. Dan gets the perpetrator of the incident gets idled out by the victim. Uh, Kelly leaves empowered, powerful, taking out her enemy in a triumphant moment based on the past, and instead, that's not what we get. And it's because of Dean. I think that's why we've been laughing at him all season. Mm-hmm. And I think with Kelly going, it's just a time where when my top contender goes, I really need to look at things. I mean, this episode is great for that anyway. But if you sort of think of this as like Dean, because not only here, but I think pre-merge, there's a lot of like Dean like is not great, but he keeps surviving over people who are better. Um, if you think of this as Dean actively made the season worse and dean like production doesn't like him his winners at it still kind of like jives i think like (laughs) like yeah the world where dean beats dan and nora or something like and they're like somehow this idiot won feels like a legitimate story that could be what we're seeing yeah and like this sort of badish content like i was saying last episode dean's edit looks gross but it's not the worst thing and i think if you sort of present like don't like the character so much but he still wins the story you've got to give him some 
pieces here and there. And I think especially after you've just edited Chris Underwood to win, you feel like that door is a little more open where you can mm-hmm. take more graces. And yeah, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of people here who have no chance. Dean has a chance mm-hmm. straight up. Like this could be the Fabio story kind of thing where it's just like somehow the crazy set of events that caused someone like Dean. And I think by someone like Dean, the editors are trying to say a complete moron wins the game. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really think that it's a possibility. I don't, again, this is per, uh, minuscule percentage points, but mm-hmm. to deny his winner chances, to give him no credibility here would be a mistake. I think um, it's a possibility. And I also saw it because the more weird stuff happens, the more it, it, it feels like kind of drunken Kung Fu where it's uh or the drunken fist or whatever, where it's it, his inability to play the game is a benefit to his gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a, it's not a huge chance at all, but looking at how this episode played out, like it makes it all the more feasible, I think. Yeah. And especially cause he was completely separated from the situation. Like, yes, you yeah. could reasonably believe that Dean had no idea that Dan did anything weird to Kelly from yeah. watching this episode. And I mean, yeah, because he's not even been on a tribe with him up until this point. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, have Dan and Dean interacted yet? No, we well, don't they, know. <laughs> there was a really cute like scene where Dean was when Dan is lying on the ground and like touching legs, which is not great. Dean is lying next to him in the background, and he's like, I guess in like a food coma, and he looks really cute there, just like <laughs> lying down. But that's about oh, their closest oh. interaction. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing, like. And that theoretically could be a positive if they're like, because there's two ways to edit it, right? There's have the winner address it head on or completely ignore it. If it's completely ignore it, people like Dean look real possible. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, that's probably good for Dean. I still think he'll probably target Missy at some point. But yeah, I mean, that's sort of the big thing is we did not get the immediate. Yeah. Now I have my chance to pay back. Yeah, that's why he's at like two percent for me and not like ten. Yeah, <laughs> like I do think I think he's in it for the long run. Mm-hmm. Which I was pretty low on Dean as a character. Like he's like the lowest of a great cast. I think obviously like not Dan's not great, but I think Dean was a less interesting character to me. Now now I'm sort of catching on. He's he might be the UTR quirky girl. Oh, he is. <laughs> He's yeah. the quirky losing, like, to me, he's, like, the quirky losing finalist. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but there's so many losing finalists somehow, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see on Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I mean, I think that's good. We'll bring it to Elizabeth. Or, nope. sorry, Elaine. Yeah, Elaine. Is what I meant to say. Who basically was invisible in this episode. Yeah, and no, no confessionals. She's the only one, right? Yeah, for sure. In two episodes. They can find anything for her to do makes me this might be a little uh, mm, I don't know. I feel like she probably had nothing good to say about the situation. Okay. The one time we see her talk in this episode, it's enthusiastically defending Dan. And that's it. That's the only time we see it. uh, See her at all in this episode makes me think they just they they didn't have a whole lot for her to do here. And she probably didn't add much to the conversation. Okay, this this might be crazy. I think it well, it's obviously crazy to look at someone who in a double merge episode has no conditionals and almost no content and say they're a winner contender. I think Elena is like my second contender. Mm. I think if you take the shielding thing into account and if you take 
the most likable of the unlikables into account. Elaine fits really nicely into that, where she is shown as likable, but she's obviously siding with the unlikable people. So mm. I think, I mean, she's still way beyond Tommy, like way behind Tommy. But yeah. I think she makes the next most sense, where it's almost, it's almost with Kelly going here as a sort of Marcus. I think Elena's could be a sort of Bob and Gabone type winner. To me, the you could like you could be onto something. To, to me, the big thing is that Tommy has like I guess before I talk about Elaine, like I think Tommy has ninety five percent of the win equity here. Like I feel like Tommy's our winner. Like I oh, really yeah. firmly believe that. Um, and so everybody else grounding for the seconds. It's there's some people who I think have a check and some people have an X. Elaine could win. You're right. Um, she's one of these people with a check. I'd put her below Dean. I think hmm. mostly for the invisibility, but you're right. There is some credibility to that. Um, I think all season we've been told people would be crazy to bring her in the end. Maybe it's that's the way that they dress up this season is they just get some people in confessionals talking about how it'd be crazy to bring her in actuality. That's not ever the case. And she beats like Dan and Aaron or something in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's your like happy moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I feel how strong I feel about it, but it feels like a way to put all of our content so far into some sort of like plan. Cause like you could say that early um, relationship stuff, even though it never panned out to anything, at least she was getting that content. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels like there's attention paid to her. It feels if this is a Gabon type season, Elaine feels like the Bob. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to deny that to be honest. It's, but I would agree with you that it is very much this Tommy and then yes or no to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have a sliver of a chance? And Elaine is in there. Exactly. Yeah. That's to me, it's possible. It's just, I'd be extremely disappointed if this is how they edit the winner. <laughs> like, if they have, I guess this is, I, I'm going to go on a mini soapbox here. If the, the winner of the season, they just chose to completely ignore the entire really serious um events that went down i'll be tremendously disappointed in the editors who this season have shown tremendous acumen and the ability to balance complex issues Mm -hmm. that said this is survivor and every season i feel like we always say we want them to be a little better and every time they're a little worse than we want (laughs) and yeah you know what maybe they do just ignore it and they're like well yeah, and I would say Elaine is definitely like a terrible case of that. Tommy's oh, yeah. not much better. Like, like I get why they treated him this episode if he's the winner, but like it's also you're just avoiding it and you're making it about the game for him, which I think is almost worse. But we'll talk about Tommy yeah. later. But, Drew, we have a yeah. lot. I have a lot to say about Tommy. For Elaine, she wasn't in this episode. The mm-hmm. one thing that's real dang good for her. She is the one who says, let's tell Dan. Yeah. That connects them. And like I said, give me Dan over anybody on this cast in the final three. I think Dan is absolutely in the final three. I will bet money on it. I It, it feels just so certain to me. And mm-hmm. Elaine feels like somebody who could be there with him. Right. The yeah, problem I- with Elaine is that I do think there's a good chance well, because Elaine and Dan have been subtly put up against each other. I think we could, and even Elaine mentioned voting out Dan in, um, uh, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Um, as a, like, right when she had the vote cancel, she talked mm-hmm. about voting out Dan. She wanted to do it, Missy didn't. 
So that's another way to subtly put them up against each other. We've seen that as a recent trend to kind of subtly put people against each other. Um, hmm. I'm Nick saying Angelina will do this for a jacket. What will she do for a million dollars? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, true. But, Especially we thought it was Kelly and Dan in the 39s, but yeah, it wasn't that. And so yeah. now you're looking for anything else. It could be Elaine in that. That's the thing. If Elaine's in the end, she probably wins. So mm-hmm. that's really good for her. Her connection to Dan's very good for her. That said, I do think there's a good chance. What we end up seeing is someone like Tommy end up picking Dan over Elaine. Hmm. Or Missy pick Dan over Elaine. Yeah. I would, if Tommy's our winner, that would be a, an interesting scene to see. Mm. And before we move on, I, I have one other point I want to Dan. And I guess this, we'll, we'll move here to Elizabeth in conjunction. So another thing that I thought is a possible winner arc for Dan is Dan there with people who have the skeletons in their closet of choosing a person like Dan over great people like Elaine. Mm-hmm. I think is a very realistic story that we could be getting for a Dan winner thing. Um, again, I don't think it's super high, but like the idea that in the path to when they had to cut people and chose Dan, a despicable person over wonderful people like Elaine and that being why they lose to Dan yeah. is a thing I see as possible. And Elizabeth is one of those people who I think could be in there. My goodness. Elizabeth in this episode for somebody who's never seen survivor really like she didn't know who boss Rob was basically. Yeah. I feel like he's been mm-hmm. confirmed to be one of the most cutthroat players I've ever seen is insane. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think that detachment from survivor in the first place makes her a little more likely to do that because I think one of the weirdest, like, I guess it's part of a scene, but when Dan is talking to Elizabeth and Missy on the beach and they are like, they're viscerally reacting to what Dan's saying until like one point they like, I don't know what he says, but they like hit him like a little and are like, no, we're good. And it's just, it is so bizarre. It made like Elizabeth, Missy in particular, like made me shake and like feel physically uncomfortable um, with the situation. Like you're right. Like they are like, not only Dan, you did nothing wrong, but we appreciate your company. We like how you handle. Like it was, yeah, uncomfortable. Like it was real mm-hmm. hard to stomach. And I think we really did see Elizabeth decide that the game was worth so much more than anything. And it's, yeah. it's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as we go through people, the big takeaway I have is there are these people who are shielded from stuff, and I see their path to the end. It is the people who are so direct like they linked themselves to it and they were not portrayed well that suffer the most mm-hmm. because elizabeth has had that patchy content up until now and i think she's someone who if contenders fell in a more conventional way she could have risen through the ranks but this just there's no way she can rebound from this like <laughs> i'd be so unhappy with an elizabeth win there's no way she's one of these people with an ex yeah, there's like I would be if they chose to edit Elizabeth as this way as the winner. I honestly it would be so stunned because yeah, they could like, easily just give this to Missy and Lauren. Yeah, like not to say Edric is broken, but like Edric would be broken. <laughs> like pretty close. Elizabeth getting the super negativity, having her pre-merge be as weird as it was. Like 
there's no it feels like there's no guidelines left yeah like it could be anything she's our villain right like the one thing i guess you could say she has consistent story but even then i don't know like it has been patchy and out of place and i think Mm -hmm. she's one of our villains i think we're supposed to come up in yeah. And it's all I feel like what we're gonna get is we're gonna get a bittersweet ending where our winner isn't somebody we like necessarily, but maybe not someone we love, but we appreciate them for taking out people like Elizabeth and Missy. So I think what we're supposed to take away from this. Yeah. So yeah. Um any do you have anything else you want to talk about with Elizabeth? I don't think so. Just what a yeah. shock. What a shock. What an unfortunate situation. There's obviously that fire stuff with her. I feel like she could last a while. Um she could be losing finalist easily. She did yeah. get the complexity early on, so I mean, yeah, within within the majority alliance as it stands now, she's like nestled in there, so she doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a target when they split up or anything. So yep, yeah, I would say she's here for longer than I'd probably like at this point. I agree with that. Speaking the opposite of that, Janet, <laughs> um, <sighs> I feel like Janet is out next episode. <sighs> I I think so. I really. I mean, the thing you're hoping for is she's not, and she stays till the end, and she wins. Yeah, somehow this is Janet Mike Holloway. Yeah. This is the time you want, uh, like, Ben or Mike or something, but I I don't think so. She might last a little longer than we expect, but I don't, I don't know, edit-wise, her edit's so good. It really is super good. It's too good. Yeah, I mean... Going into this, it feels like like Janet is the only person you want to win. And I think I think if she survives next episode, I would legitimately start considering her more. Yes. I worry that my like, oh, Janet can win this right now is just Janet should win this. I want mm-hmm. Janet to win this. But like, I think if she makes it out of that double boot and finds some footing, like if we see her relationship with Tommy really strengthen into something that looks like it matters and she regains some sort of footing, then I would put more credence to it. But yeah, I feel like right now we're looking at pretty obvious boots next round and Janet's uh-huh. one of them. Yeah. I feel like we're seeing the Janet should win or is that it? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> which unfortunately isn't the same thing. Um, It's like, she's, she's too positive. She's too golden. It would be too nice of a bow. You'd almost expect the only way she can win is like what? It's the final uh, 12, final 11, 11. So there are eight tribal councils. Eight Mm -hmm. people have to get voted out over Janet. Like what? Is she going to like idle eight times? But then still, it's like, would you be mad if? Oh, yeah. I would rather honestly a dance. No, I'd rather Janet win with eight. Just about anything else. I'd rather then janet idols eight times or whatever even the idol find in this i was super happy but i was like Ugh, feels icky yeah and it's like oh a man and a woman get a win and then the next one is split i was like sir are you leaning a little into you need a good winner for this like mm-hmm. i could see it but that's the thing like to me janet exemplifies she's so positive but like her weird patchy content now makes sense I feel like she's just a beacon of positivity. She didn't have something super positive to contribute. She wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. She is an over-the-top positive character. I feel like what we're going to see is one of her, like, I guess, underlings. or somebody who's sympathetic to Janet doing well. Mm-hmm. I-, I feel like Tommy will maybe 
get the blessing of Janet or something. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I read. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. the link between yeah. those two is far better for Tommy than it is for Janet. Yes. Like, you know what it is? So early on in the season, we were talking about how Janet Tommy's at it. She could be oh, the torch. Oh my bearer. gosh. It's the opposite. <laughs> oh, no. You're it's totally the opposite, right. Yeah. Right. It's Tommy's going to inherit Janet's positivity. And we thought it would be Janet. Uh, or Tommy inheriting Janet's, or yeah, you're right. Janet inheriting Tommy's complexity. complexity. It is the opposite. It's his pos- It's her positivity. Wow. She is his personal content because he's a 23 year old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them struggle to tell the story of the young people winning recently. Yeah. So. Oh no. Yeah, that's honestly what I think we're getting. Um, so strap in your boots. Uh, watch it for the Janet Tommy makeup session next week. Well, I mean, they were already together in this second yep. part of the episode. Although mm-hmm. Tommy did sort of lie to Janet and say she wasn't getting votes, but she did. So that that's okay, but that's necessary. Like that's clearly what actually happened, right? Like you can't edit around what he says. But who do we see comfort Janet? It's freaking Tommy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And we know he's telling the truth because he tells us before. Yeah. I mean, he did tell the truth and say, you're not going home. Mm-hmm. She votes, but she didn't go home. So, yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not high on Janet's chances. Mm-hmm. Even for longevity last week, I said, I feel like she's in the finale. And I don't think that's true. No, I mean, it really is this episode as sort of a pseudo finale. Yep. For, like, ending character stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember when Tommy was the distraction? <laughs> but, yeah. So, that's, I guess, that's Janet. Let's move here to Karishma, who, hot take, had a really good episode. Um, We get a reframing of her narrative. <laughs> Karishma enters the oh. merge and says, I was so, you know, I was just hungry uh, pre-merge. Now, I'm a new Karishma, and I'm ready to eat. And then she continues to be one of the or proceeds to be one of the only characters not connected to the Dan thing whatsoever. If anything is shown slightly yeah. positive in favor it's of Kelly. Positive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. On rewatch, I found that scene where she's like, yes, this is the merge. It's the beginning of a new story for me. And that reinforces her at the swap. And that reinforces her at the beginning of the game where she, Lays mm-hmm. out how she plans to go. There's just these touchstones for Karishma. It's it looks really good and like good on her for how she performed in the challenges during these episodes. Mm-hmm. Like she was middle of the pack, if not a little better. Yeah. And yeah, I I could see it. It's just there's the middle parts are so weird and yeah. hard to put into context. Because that's the thing is like with Karishma, she can't like episode like. People, we, everybody, educate talks about how important the premiere, swap, and merge are. If you just watch those episodes, Krishma has the most winners at it ever. Mm-hmm. You watch everything else, and it's like, ooh, ugh, ooh. <laughs> um, like, it feels wrong. Krishma, to me, I feel like it's still the growth edit, which isn't usually the winner. Um, mm-hmm. But in a season like this, if we do go down the gro- goat route you could see karishma somehow winning a jury i think yeah you know what i mean i think that's at least a possibility she could be a sandra type figure or like a sophie clark 
she continues to get a lot of positive reinforcement from Rob and Sandra. Mm-hmm. Like they were nodding along with her when she spoke at Tribal. And yeah, yeah. I'd say the worst part of this episode is when they're talking about her potential uh, elimination. She like is in the ocean and she like drops the pan and it gets away from her. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. look the greatest. But like, I guess if Kirsch was winning, like it's a complex, tonally mixed edit. Like, you get the good with the bad for Karishma. So. Yeah, if Karishma wins, it's, uh, at least it wasn't Dan at it. Like, that's <laughs> like that's what we're getting with Karishma if it's that. Again, I, I don't think it's likely at all. Um, I'd, To me, she... Mm, she might be number two for me, though. Yeah. To be honest, like, I, I think I'd have her above Elaine, because I feel like, well, Elaine was ignored. I feel like Karishma was subtly put together with Kelly. I feel like... I don't know. I feel like we actually didn't see any content of her actually supporting Kelly. Um, but mm-hmm. we were led to believe that they were close enough, um, which makes me think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And like, we have seen some game stuff from her, right? Like she's been like, I'm going to, I'm going to play the best social game. We've got that from her. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a, at least a possibility. I also think she's a big, like, I think it could go straight as the next time on said, and it'll be Jenna and Karishma going. Yes. But I also think she could, one of those two could, like, survive somehow. Especially and... with this likability as a liability theme, where, like, you can see her final travel council speech being, because she speaks pretty poetically, right? Like, I think that's something. Yeah. Like, chaos is a ladder. Like, I mean, she likes Game of Thrones, at least. Um, <laughs> but, like, you can see her at the end basically being like, okay, was I a great player? No. Um, was I likable? No. But guess what? Likeability is liability. You could see her being the person who talks about it. Yeah. So and that's also, good enough. Yeah, pointing out how, despite being a target, she like was always there and always persisted. And yeah, I think she could make that argument better than anyone else. I mean, I say that about someone every season, but I guess that's Krishma for this one. Mm-hmm. And again, this is to me peanuts at this point, but she's one of yeah. these people with a check mark. She's. Yeah, I put her significantly above Janet, significantly above Elizabeth, etc. So mm-hmm. um, that brings us to Lauren X. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if this is Lauren's winner edit, my god. Yeah, uh, it's just never bad enough for me though to completely discount her. Like she's such a present character. It's just like it's not bad enough. Like even in these episodes, I don't feel like she was negative enough to cross her off that way. You know? No, but I think that's actually a good point. Is if Lauren's gonna win, she'd be more villain or hero. And mm-hmm. what we've seen is Lauren is a non-end who skews negative. Yeah. Which is really bad. But it's not the worst, though. I put her last. Mm, no way. Who is less likely than Lauren? Like, Elizabeth. Okay, true. Okay. Aaron. I mean, I, yeah. I I'm put Lauren right there with them. I don't know. I feel like I can see Lauren coming out of this. It's it's it is one of those things where it's like yes or no. Do they still have the slightest chance? But I think no. Uh, Hard no. To me, all season we've been saying Lauren gets these amazing like, is amazing confessionalist. And she just gets like the bare minimum. She presented as Tommy's goat. I just don't see it. And now I, think, I don't. I don't even want it. Like I was cheering for. I think right now she's being presented as the superior one in that relationship. Yeah, which is good for Tommy, bad for Lauren. You think so? Oh yeah, I, I I anticipate an episode coming up soon where they basically decide they need to break up Lauren and Tommy, and they're like, Lauren's more likable. Vote Lauren. Hmm. I think somehow they've managed to get Tommy, the straight white six foot five guy, 
to be the Natalie Anderson to Lauren's uh, Jeremy. <laughs> He's the beta here, and I think that's good for him. Yeah, I mean, none of what you're saying isn't surprising. And like, yeah, Lauren not winning, like way more likely. But she's in my checkmark list. Let it be known. Oh yeah, I don't know. I her her actions that were really hard to watch. I feel like she you could have edited it out. Like she didn't actually have that much to say. Like in confessional, she was basically like Dan didn't do anything to me, but it wasn't like as blatant as Elizabeth or whatever. So yeah, she's like the bottom checkmark. Yeah. I guess I, I'll no, I'm not even gonna go sign that. <laughs> it's a possibility, whatever. Okay. Um so I have a hot take here with Missy. Mm-hmm. Not on her chances necessarily, but I think that there's an alternate version of this story where it's completely from Missy's perspective. And the story is what is Missy willing to do to win the game of Survivor? And we just see like Russell Hant style, she dominates the episode. 15 confessionals that she's aware of what she's doing and she's decided that that's worth the risk on her own humanity. And I'm positive. She gave those confessionals the way she was talking seems that way. Like I said on Twitter, like I said last week, I do believe that Missy might genuinely be the most aggressive uh, cutthroat player that we've ever seen in the game of survivor. And if she won, she would have been presented that way. I think we would have got to see from her perspective because there is a way to edit this that still gives Kelly her humanity and justifying her uh, how she feels while mm. promoting Missy as the scariest person to ever play the game of Survivor. Right. And so you're saying you don't feel that way. I don't think they did that. I think they I think there's some argument that they did by having Kelly explicitly say that she was ignoring the fact that Dan hurt her to target Missy. The fact that that was shown to me gives Missy a little bit of an exoneration. And nobody else that we've mentioned, Elizabeth does not have that excuse. For example, Missy does, right? Like Missy, mm-hmm. how is it framed? She's not going to leave like some punk, right? Like that's what her story in this episode is. It isn't really that negative for Missy. I think people read into it because Elizabeth and Missy are kind of connected, but Missy's story is, I'm getting voted out and I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm going to make whatever stand I can. They didn't go full gear on it, which makes me not high on her. But like, I think that could have been a like like almost Joker style, like the movie 2019 movie Joker uh, exploration of a targeted and villainous desire to win. Hmm. I'm I'm not high on Missy. I feel like at least the way it's presented, it's constantly contradicting. Like she feel she is this very strong player, but it feels like the edit is always making jabs at her moves, being like, "This isn't that actually that great." Like I didn't like this. Like you don't have Krishna in your pocket. You didn't pay attention when she was like she cut her hand. Like her actions in these episodes, nah. Like. Yeah, they aren't as negative as Elizabeth, but I still don't think... I think there is that tinge of negativity to them where it's not presented in the best light. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, I feel like they could make her more up front and center, and they aren't. And could that be they're afraid to go all in on uh, who's like that? Maybe. Uh Uh, You're right, though. I don't think it's, again, super likely. I wish it was the case. I mean, despite all the ugliness, despite all the uncomfortableness of all this, Missy's the one who I feel like actually had 
legitimate reason to act the way she did in a game sense. Obviously, in a personal sense, morality is hard to ascribe, but Missy, to me, exemplifies the idea that Survivor isn't equipped, like the game of Survivor, isn't equipped to deal with a complicated social issue like this, is effectively what we saw. Um, There is strategic benefit to keeping him and Rope in. In this episode, if if she had just voted, like, she goes from just getting voted out, obviously very bad for Missy's winner chances, to... (laughs) Voting out Dan, taking out someone from the other side, better for her winner chances, but still not in a fantastic spot, Mm -hmm. to roping Dan over to her, gaining a number, and also taking out two of their own, two of the other side. Mm -hmm. So Missy got one and took out two. That's a plus three benefit. Um, Missy had legitimate strategic reason to act this cutthroat. And I don't know, I, I guess my take is that I think the edit could have backed it up more. And is that there's fear of backing up a strategic female or is that them kind of showing she's a villain? It's hard to say. She's clearly a villain in the story. She's a total bad guy. Mm-hmm. But is, if the story is the bad guy wins, maybe Missy is a possibility. No, I think I agree with you that I think they would have gone farther and they would have at least validated it in some way, whether it's like, a post like after Kelly goes saying like, yeah, maybe what I did wasn't like morally correct, but Kelly was a strong player. And I mean, that depends on whether she said it or not, but I think the material is there to at least justify it more than they did. Instead, Mm -hmm. she comes off more as a cohort of Elizabeth than a like chess master. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like she might even get like Elizabeth might get more negativity in the world where she wins. You know what I mean? Like they might just give more content to Elizabeth less to Missy. Mm-hmm. So take that as you wish. That said, I mean, Missy is, I stand by one of the greatest casting choices in the history of Survivor. I really think that I hope we get to see her again. This, this week makes me think we won't, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who knows how much the casting department is, like, playing to the demands of the people. But right now, it's very, we want Jamal and Kelly for second chances. We want Janet for all-stars. Yeah, It's not. And imagine the um, backlash if second chances 2 happens, Kelly's not on the ticket, and, like, Missy is. Yeah. Like, people aren't going to be happy. Mm -hmm. Maybe Heroes vs. Villains 2. She could make a tribe on that villains Mm -hmm. thing. But as a lover of the strategic game, it does make me sad that I mean, uh, it's such a minor thing in comparison to the real situation that happened. But Missy really is proven to be a force in the game of Survivor. And I guess I I guess I hope that there's a chance that she wins this game. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people are still really supporting her. And I think she has like a solid edit on paper. It's just Mm -hmm. it feels wrong when you look at the bits of it. So, yep, I'll go sign that. So let's move here to Nora. Uh, who <laughs> like, really strange a, episode yeah in this episode i feel like nora is like the most fun character to talk about yeah like, she was removed from it sort like okay oh. she was removed from the negative draining aspect of it the part that made you feel bad her confessional yeah, like, she's like let's vote out dan d-a-n and then she throws up jazz hands and is like singing it like <laughs> It's like this brief moment, her and Jamal, where you forget that this is a horrible negative moment, right? Like, Yeah, it's like you have these main players, Missy, Kelly, 
Dan, Elizabeth, who are talking, like Tommy, who are all sort of talking about the big picture strategy of it. And then it's like we travel to another world, another island where Jamal and Nora, who have hated each other before, are just sitting there and are like, Jamal's like, you know what? I think we should take out Dan. And Nora's like, yeah, I'm into it. And it's just so bizarre. It's so perfectly Nora. Like, it's why you love Nora because she's so into it. Like, it's the biggest move ever, which I kind of feel like it isn't. Like, if word is passed around, like, Dan is a contender, but they're so, yeah. And her confessional is like the summary of good. Mm-hmm. Like, she says, yeah, we're voting out Dan because he has, she literally says she has, he has rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. And I think she it also means it's the right thing to do to vote him out, is what she yeah. says. Yeah. It made it really easy for her. Mm-hmm. And it just looks really good. Yeah. You read this episode and you're like, you know what? I hate a lot of these people, but you know what? Nora, she's a good girl. She's a good gal. Nora's a weirdo and like she has her quirks, but ultimately she's good. Mm-hmm. That's, I think what that's what the you season's get. telling us about Nora, right? Like, yeah. In all these previous episodes, she's turned negative before, right? Like, like in yeah. the episode where she's bossing people around. But it's that, like, the episode where she's super negative is also the episode where you get her and Jason having the footloose moment, right? And she's so excited to be playing the game. Which and... she has another moment like that here. Because once Jamal and her have finalized their plans, she's, of course, excited again. And Jamal's like, just calm down. So it's like yeah. a fun recurring thing. She's excitable. That's what they're saying, right? Is like, mm-hmm. okay, is she annoying? Yes. Does she rub people the wrong way? Yes. Is she unlikable? Yes. Does she care? Is she a passionate, good person? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, right now, my top three are Tommy, I think Karishma, and then Nora. I think there's a real chance Nora is a late game player. We even have Dan early on talk about how he would not vote out Nora. He wants mm-hmm. naive players. Makes it very clear he's talking about Nora. There's a chance Nora here robs Dan in the end. I, I I don't mean rob. I mean wins against him. Yeah. like, And I think we're being shown little things that Nora is actually kind of competent. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll always say what's on her mind. But, like, I think she throws that second immunity challenge. Like, I think she knows she probably doesn't need it. And, yeah, just drops. Because she yep. doesn't have anything going. Like... She's the one who, when Jamal comes back from the Island of the Idols, is like, sometimes too many details is the thing that's wrong, which I guess you've learned something from your own Island of the Idols experience, Nora, because that's what you did. But um, yeah, and then she's not around a ton. But in this episode, I just don't think that is necessarily the worst thing. And what you get is this weird, it feels like a different episode where Dan's like a bad guy and everyone agrees. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we don't see Nora having any like any question about whether people are voting out Dan. We don't see her defending him at all. Yeah. We see him creepily touch her and her like mm-hmm. she looks like she's on the right side of the issue. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing in her benefit. And she's also she's like one hundred percent on the right side of the issue. She's also apparently back in the majority. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's an excellent point, is in the next in the second part. We see them basically say, we're going to vote out Janet, Karishma, or Jamal. Somehow, Nora has escaped this completely. Mm-hmm. She's just in the majority. She just knows she's included. Yeah. That said, I do think she might have got a confessional saying that. But maybe with things so high, with tension so high, they choose to hide that a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here. I do think that first episode right at the beginning where they are like, Nora, why did you lie and say that Kelly was the one who told you to vote Jack? Yeah. Is a strange, but I think it's more to show just how capable Kelly is and yeah, where she stood and how good that move actually was for her. And in a way, it kind of shows that Jamal and Janet are willing to believe Kelly mm-hmm. on that front. And it explains later on. I think it gives our heroes a little bit of sympathy, which is probably just good storytelling. So I don't think it's super bad for Nora, but yeah, I would say I really, really want a Nora win to happen. Oh yeah. I this don't is my bias pick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it feels I have... absolutely biased. Cause like that pre-merge is not good. Atrocious. Yeah. This is the, it's the Fabio thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he like... really likes monkeys and uh, he yeah. won. Okay. That's mm-hmm. it. So there's Nora. Um, I guess let's move here to like basically I think the main event, right? Um Tommy, who mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, you would believe that this guy was on a different island. And I guess my simple case for why I think Tommy's gonna why I think he has an overwhelming majority of the win equity. He specifies that he wants to vote Kelly out. So obviously he has some animosity towards him, but he says it before all the dance stuff. Mm-hmm. His problem with Kelly isn't um, that she's targeting Dan. It isn't that she's targeting Missy. It's that, you know what? He's not being listened to. That's it. That's why he targets Kelly. That's what we're told. Um, He gets completely um, separated from the entire negative arc of this episode while still being allowed to vote for Kelly. Yeah, it's very much. And then when him and Lauren are the swing votes, it's not, are you defending what Dan has done? Or not. The question is just, do you go with this alliance or that alliance? Cool kids are the nerds, basically. Yeah. It's about finding what crew you play with, as he says in episode two. Right. Um, it's completely game for Tommy. Mm-hmm. You would not know that he knows anything about Dan's creepiness. You would not know that Kelly feels uncomfortable. Additionally, when Jamal is talking, and Jamal is talking about how, oh, well, Aaron, in the real world, that's what abusers say right like that's what he's saying right guess who we get a nice zoom in focus on tommy saying oh you're right jamal like true jamal tommy Mm -hmm. tommy gets to agree with jamal in that moment when he's voting him out he is janet's closest ally Mm -hmm. it just it looks amazing and yeah it feels like we've been saying it's too obvious it's too obvious i would say i haven't talked to people who are like casually watching the show Mm-hmm. I don't think they would say it's as obvious. I think we are seeing a bad movie where you already know the twist. Mm-hmm. And I think that twist is Tommy winning. Yeah, you're watching The Sixth Sense and someone's told you the ending. And you're like, oh, what do you mean? It's obvious. But to the people who are watching it for the first time who don't know, it's mm-hmm. not so obvious. Um, I think that's what I think you're 100% right, right? Like, I, I, it just always comes back to that, that he really isn't that visible. He hasn't, right. really, he hasn't voted... What, he's voted correctly? This is the first time he's voted correctly. No, he voted correctly on his first tribal. Oh, true, 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 true. But he but, was presented not loving it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like he orchestrated that. This is the first time he's got his way. Mm-hmm. And it's voting out Kelly during the dance situation. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know it. And he's the first person to say her name, but it's before all the negativity. And explicitly mentioned... So he points out that Kelly and Missy are caught talking. And that's suspicious. The camera frames it 
where it's very clear he's too far away to hear what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that they're comparing notes on um, how creepy Dan is. He just thinks, well, Missy's supposed to be going. Why is she talking to Missy? That's all it is. That's all he mentions. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks so good. Yeah. It's clever and it's deflective. And I don't think I've seen a single anti-Tommy tweet. No. I, I don't like think. It, yeah. tr- as far as what the episode says, I would feel they're stretching. They're looking for a reason to loop Tommy into this, I think. Because it's not there in the episode. In 2019, I'm going to be honest, I don't think CBS say winner is shown enabling like uncomfortable sexual sexual advances. I yeah. don't think they do. I really don't think they do. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've said people like Dan have percentage points if they are willing to go that route. Don't think it's super high. I think it's much more likely they just skirt it off and say, oh, Tommy was playing the game. Sorry. Um, it seems reasonable to me. It really does. Um, only problem is he has been shown as a likable person. Um, but mm, not like too likable, I feel. Mm-mm. Like, we and knew he was... just in episode one. Yeah, we knew he was likable at the start, but he's not... And I would say he is probably likable in person, but we're not getting shown that. I think... Mm. It's a lot of scenes with him, but he's not being shown as this like likable, like focus, like in a lane or all that. So, yeah, yeah, I really feel it feels like Michelle Fitzgerald is a good comparison point. Yep. Like more content than you think. We're just like, I think, trained to see a alpha male type with this sort of content as an obvious winner contender. Yep. And yeah, until they prove otherwise, it's not. Yeah, I feel like. Every once in a while, Survivor just has an obvious edgic season. Mm-hmm. And I guess knock on wood, these are the words I'll eat later when Nora wins. But Tommy just feels super obvious and right. And He hits all the themes really well. He's hit them all positively in a way throughout the season in some capacity, even if he's dipped in other uh, kind of cookie jars throughout. Like mm-hmm. He is a teacher. We did get all that content about how he's really good at these one-on-one relationships stuff. Um, yeah, I think we talked about how there's these sort of the women's perspective and how he obviously doesn't fit into that. And the idea of a woman being sized to win the season, that feels more like preparation for this episode than uh-huh. an indictment of who's going to win the season. I agree. And I think this season, I've always been hesitant to call this a female empowerment season because there's always been this weirdness behind it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's presented. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I just, I don't know, like, and like I said earlier, like, there have been these thin-veiled attempts to make Tommy, I think, in some capacity, like, mm-hmm. Dean calling, like, again, Dean making fun of him, him being kind of, like, secondary to Lauren. His reactions during Jason's boot to the chicken. Yes, the sucking up buttercup thing. Where he was yeah. mean to uh, Jason. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing, like, I feel like Tommy just would be a nice little bow that would be... Like, people wouldn't, like, there wouldn't be a mass backlash against how they, like, kind of whitewashed it. Because, you know, he was shown targeting Kelly. Mm -hmm. But there also wouldn't be a backlash against him as a um, sexual abuse enabler. Yeah. He rides this really fine tightrope. And that, to me, looks like a winner. And I am going to say that it's a cowardly, pathetic, I think, way to edit a winner is... Because I'm sure he said some stuff that was propping up Dan and taking down Kelly. But we didn't see it. I mm-hmm. think that's cowardly. I think it's uh, really unfortunate. But I do think that Survivor is still scared to show their winner is despicable. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't think they are willing to do that. So this is the kind of thing that kind of plays both sides. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's Tommy. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kelly and Jamal who I think exemplified the season's narrative in a positive way. Yeah. I think like we said, especially Kelly, it feels like the reason she rose up our winner ranks until she was our top contender last episode. I feel like that all makes sense with this episode. Mm-hmm. Somewhat unfortunately, but I'm so glad they did it. Me too. Yeah, like I said, Kelly and Kelly might be my favorite survivor ever. Strategic fun, all that. Mm-hmm. And had a really touching story. Um, yeah, I think our original plan was to look back at what we thought preseason. And I had so low estimations on Kelly. Same. I was like, this is, who is this goofball? I don't think I've ever been so wrong on somebody. Mm hmm. Because I really thought she would suck. Like, I thought Kelly would be terrible. <laughs> it seemed like she didn't know the show. And you know what? Maybe if maybe she did, she would have been less fun, to be honest. Because she played with no remorse. She played, like, it was her fourth time playing, and she was never going to get to play again. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that she played. Um, I'll absolutely never forget her. I'll be standing for her every returning season ever. I'm so sad that these horrible things happened to her and that the one chance perhaps that she got to play the game was one wrought with just complete unfairness to her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I hope she gets another chance. I can't even imagine having to play a game like this with that situation. Cause like I said, survivors not equipped to deal with it. Um, yeah. And as much as you want her to like play again, like it's almost would like, would she? Yeah. Like, you know what can happen when you play this and it's like Mm -hmm. and like what your eventual like the results of it are yeah it's almost like like thinking about this episode and the way it played out it's just like it reaffirms like i don't want to be on survivor like this seems like so much mental anguish Mm -hmm. possible all this for a million bucks maybe a one in 20 shot Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know like to me it's like the story Kelly reaffirms to me that Survivor is a microcosm of the real world. And in many ways, all the time, the real world is an ugly place where really bad things happen. But Kelly's a reminder that there are great people out there. And unfortunately, some really bad things happen. There's some really standout, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad she played. I hope the pos- the experience was a net positive for her. I know she got a lot of love and support around the community. Yeah. Um, hope that's uh good for her and she had the honestly predominant narrative of the story so right pretty cool yep and, and i jamal. mean yeah i like I, again my, perhaps my favorite of all time jamal another one of just fantastic human right like yeah in many ways I, was he a great survivor player no uh, <laughs> and what i really appreciate is they didn't just show him in the positive like jamal made mistakes jamal was haughty and arrogant at times but they showed that like complex perspective and they absolutely highlighted whenever he was a super positive force on this season Mm -hmm. which looking at the two episode arc we had here was absolutely necessary absolutely i feel like with jamal they told a beautiful story about a amazing person who has flaws this is a fully developed character right like Mm -hmm. um in episode seven or whatever it is the jack scene we see him just be a level of positive that's insane, right? Like he's uh, perfectly encapsulates one singular issue in the next mm-hmm. episode. They edit him as having trouble translating that beautiful perspective to all issues. And he has a blind spot 
in terms of feminism, right? Like, right. He has some problems dealing with that. That's kind of how it's edited. And then, as we've said, the season's about learning, about teaching. He mm-hmm. learns from it. And as Jack said, learn to be a little bit more of an advocate in that regard. So when someone says something really toxic, like what Aaron was spouting, Jamal's learned from his past experience in this season to become more of an more of an advocate in that regard. Mm-hmm. And he he says a beautiful statement about yeah. the situation. Right? Hats off to Jamal. Really, a beautifully rendered character in every way, and just clearly a stand-up dude who probably is not the greatest survivor player in the world. But there's a lot of those. So yeah, no fault on him. Probably yeah. rather have a good person than a good survivor player. Yeah, so. as Wendell Holland said, cast more Jamals. Cast more Jamals, hundred um, percent. You want people who have the because he's also like a charming guy. Like like separate to because I'm sure, like you, I've seen on the internet. I've seen everywhere people be like survivors getting too political. But like I don't one I don't agree with that. But separate to that, he was fun outside that. Right? Like sure mm-hmm. he was an excellent speaker when horrible things happened, but right. he's fun outside that. Like he's just a good dude. And I'm glad that he had like this really layered personality that really was a fantastic casting choice. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my winner contenders list is Tommy Karishma Nora with a huge emphasis on the first one. Yeah. Huge emphasis on Tommy. And then I think only after that I would list I would list Elaine. Cool. Maybe Janet. Like Janet just seems even with her potential to go next time, just seems the next most likely. Yeah. And so when I flip over to next boot here, I'm still gonna be like, Yeah, it's Janet and Karishma. I think yeah, it's, it's Jan- straight Karishma. down the line. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's sort of how lopsided the season is in terms of the winner. So and I guess that's our show. Um obviously this is a more in depth and kind of roller coaster of an episode, but I think we were able to take a good show from it. Um <clears throat> if you have any thoughts at all, you can email us at the winner at, at gmail.com. The new episodes on Saturdays and Sundays on all major podcast catchers. Um please review us on iTunes if you have any thoughts, uh, especially positive ones, you know. Um yeah. you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. Can follow you at J Chapman nine thousand. And that's our show. Um I hope that the entire Survivor community can uh, reflect on everything in this episode. And I think hats off to the editors for a really complex story. See you next week. Yeah, see you then.